0: are we living in a computer simulation? And the Trump is Hitler comparison propaganda reaches a new level of absurdity. You're listening to the Propaganda Report. I'm Brad Binkley here with Monica Perez. Monica, how are you today?
1: I'm great. How are you doing, Brad?
0: I'm hot. It's really hot outside. (laughs) My air conditioner broke in my car the other day. I haven't had a chance to fix it yet. And it's like literal hell sitting in traffic in my car. <laughs> it's
1: a, a steam room, a sauna. It is.
0: It's a steam room, yeah.
1: <laughs> steam. I should
0: charge people.
1: Steam room. Yeah, this heat wave, uh, I just I, – I, this man-made climate change, I, I believe there is man-made climate change, but I feel like it's spewing out of the butt of airplanes on purpose and we're being lied to about it.
0: Yeah, or some machine they have at the closed CERN operation.
1: Right. Or uh, maybe they have like a center of the earth facility that you get through to via the Antarctica portal.
0: You know, the thing that <laughs> stood out to me about the New Zealand story the most was that yes. that is one of the, I think, handful of portals yeah. to get to Antarctica.
1: Yeah. Antarctica is an interesting story. I don't know. There There are definitely mysteries surrounding it. I. I don't know. I don't know what to think about it. There's, they, If you listen, I was listening, just recently got turned on to the Higher Side Chats. And I was listening to one of them about a guy who went to Antarctica. And I wish I could remember the details, but he just was like, there's something going on there, and I'm going to go find out what. And he said it was an arduous, arduous journey, and there were, it was mystery at the other end.
0: Did he have any answers? You
1: know, I don't think so. Or maybe he was trying to sell his book or was in the second hour. I just didn't – I didn't have any major takeaway from that except for the overarching secrecy. Maybe I'll listen to it again because that is interesting. And more news is coming out of New Zealand, which has an extremely low murder rate. How they took those people's guns away is, well, the power of the, uh, of the mass trauma event.
0: Yeah, they had that story recently where – the guy shot up a mosque. It was, well, he shot a mosque. It was a couple of days ago. He didn't kill anybody who was there, but he was clearly, if you look at a picture of him, the most stereotypical white nationalist looking person in the world. And that was a featured story on CNN's uh, homepage. At what other point in time would a shooting that nobody died at be the feature story on any oh. news website, unless it's featuring a white nationalist person? that you can make it appear as though this white nationalist meme is rising all over the world. Yeah, How many shootings world, happened maybe. on that day? that's it, the one they did. Yes,
1: feature. right. The was that the guy whose letter popped up on 4chan? I don't know. That's what I was talking about on our on your drive time prop that today was that somebody got some uh, the New Zealand mosque shooter, which I thought was the original guy. What was the original guy killed in the
0: act and I can't remember.
1: I can't remember either. All these shootings that run together. Yeah, I thought they showed him
0: You know, that's been a theme of them surviving.
1: They've been surviving lately? Not
0: all of them, but there has been more. It seems like more have been surviving than before. I just,
1: I remember a picture I thought where he was like kneeling down and there was some chick cop standing there like totally looked like a uh, you know, women's prison warden and not swat guy standing there with her gun pointing down within arm's reach of the guy on the ground i'm like oh my that's, gosh. that's the that's how you're uh guarding this guy like it just is such a weird picture but that's what makes me think that he was actually apprehended but there are stories coming out of new zealand even now about all that so obviously the five eyes are coordinating which i had actually predicted a couple of years ago And it just took some time to emerge, which is annoying to me because I want to be like, I predict it. But after enough time passes, it's not that good.
0: Yeah. Well, I found an interesting article in the New York Times. This is in the um, opinion section, but uh, I thought it was worth talking about. And the title of the article is, Are We Living in a Computer Simulation? Let's Not Find Out. Experimental Findings Will Be Either Boring or Extremely Dangerous. And it goes on to say, in 2003, philosopher Nick Bostrom made an ingenious argument that we might be living in a computer simulation created by a more advanced civilization. He argued that if you believe that our civilization will one day run many sophisticated simulations concerning its ancestors, then you should believe that we're probably in an ancestor simulation right now. His reasoning, if people eventually develop simulation technology, no matter how long that takes, and if they're interested in creating simulations of their ancestors, then simulated people with experiences just like ours will vastly outnumber unsimulated people.
1: Wow. <laughs> That's mind-blowing. Yeah. And you totally would. Like we're the right. holodeck? We're yeah. the We're the uh, historical, uh, what do you call it now, live action?
0: Yeah, there you go.
1: Dude, why do I have consciousness?
0: How, like, how would we know? You know, it But goes, I mean
1: I, I'm conscious of my own existence and only my own existence.
0: And that might be what we were programmed to be conscious of.
1: But consciousness. <laughs> you no, know, I mean just, it just always goes back to that yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. But that also reminds me of a higher side chat that I heard where the guy said, Quantum physics has unequivocally proven there is no reality. I mean, that's another one. You got to kind of follow up on the higher side chat stuff because it blows your mind and then your mind is sitting there on the sidewalk next to you and you're like, what did he just say? It's like humor. Like, I can't remember it because it blew my mind.
0: Yeah, I don't find it too extraordinary. And I guess, you know, I guess it would depend on how you define a simulation. But the article goes on to say that if most people are simulations, Professor Bostrom concluded, the odds are good that we ourselves are simulations. Our world would be just one simulation of many, perhaps part of a research project created to study the history of civilization. As a physicist and Nobel uh, laureate. Laureate, thank you. You're
1: welcome. George, I'm good at pronouncing yeah. it, not a good speller.
0: George Smoot has explained, if you are an anthropologist and historian and want to understand the rise and fall of civilizations, then you will need to make a make very many simulations involving millions to billions of… Of people
1: that's so interesting because I've often thought that I read when I was younger I was interested in life after death books and I read some life after death books and several of them if not many of them I think it was George Kennedy maybe had the or George Anderson I think um had the theme that you would die and there would be different levels of heaven and like the scholarly people would be at the top. And so like the more you accomplish here on earth, maybe the higher level you get inserted in. The scholarly
0: people get the top?
1: Well, that the the people at the top were scholarly in appearance to the people who had died. They'd be like, Oh, there are these people with the robes that are obviously more advanced than us. I, I think I'm imposing the word scholarly, but I, I always thought that, if you really, and it would make sense that like the mysteries of the universe would be unfolded gradually because if you just blink into an eternal situation where you get all the information immediately, just unless we're of a completely different nature, we're, we're not built to accept that. Like that would be very boring to us, which is why like the matrix. Makes sense. Like we couldn't yeah. give you a perfect world because it makes sense. But I always thought if they're, if they're just out – if in heaven you're allowed to – I mean these are a lot of assumptions and speculations. And but if you're allowed to think about – to amuse yourself, occupy yourself or or for the mysteries of, of the universe and humanity and divinity and stuff are there for you to unfold yourself, which I think may be a good interpretation of life on earth anyway is that you kind of – You're here to unfold the mystery. That's why God can't like come down and say, here I am. You're here to like unfold the mystery at your own pace. And then when you're finished, you die. That's a theory that I kind of like, but that I would for sure say, hey, can I insert myself into a life, you know, to occupy some of my eternity on earth in the turn of the 19th century? Like, I think that would be interesting or Greek times. And then it always occurs to me like, oh my gosh, maybe that's what I'm doing right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So for me, it's like a spiritual uh, postulate or I'm positing it from a spiritual sense. But if you want to make it a digital thing, then I mean, but I, but that doesn't explain, explain consciousness. Like consciousness to me comes from another dimension entirely. Like our ability to be self-aware in this way.
0: We are. In a sense, electrical circuits kind of run through our brains to help us operate. But, I mean,
1: so is my computer, and I don't think my computer has a sense of looking out that little camera.
0: Or does it? Yeah, I mean... Some people believe that objects do have a sense of themselves. I don't know that I buy into that.
1: I mean, you got to figure there's some kind of force. I mean, that separating those subatomic particles... That thing blew my mind. You know the thing yeah. that blows my mind most of all is that to take subatomic particles and to move one and the other one should move does move without any time lag, even though they're separated by enough distance that you should be able to detect the time lag. So it's there's crazy. Some force, like, yeah. there's some connection, I don't know what it is, but I just I like that that's why I listen to the higher side chat stuff. But I would say seventy five percent of it I'm like, uh Yeah. I'm not there yet <laughs> But it's it's really interesting.
0: I, I find that stuff fascinating. I think that we don't have a clue in the grand yeah, scheme of things. I totally agree. And totally. when people act like they have it all figured out, and those are people who like, think
1: that we're conspiracy theories. Yeah, like, that just cracks me up. Like you don't even know what's happening at City Hall, like one mile from your house, and you think you know the nature or the nature of God, or even whether or not. There is a God, you know, like – and you're telling me that I'm crazy to think that Stacey Abrams is a created person. Okay.
0: Yeah, and people talk about (laughs) aliens and stuff, and I I don't think we would recognize an alien if it was looking us in the face. I I don't think it might be in another dimension. It might be in a different form. The idea that we would recognize it, it it stems from the idea that it would kind of look like us or that it it would look like life as we know it, but – it does not necessarily gonna be life as we know it because we don't that, know it yet that
1: we are that we're the masters of our own perception,
0: right, yeah, there you go. there could be aliens right in front of us at this very second, and I don't think we would have a clue, I think there could be,
1: yeah, and if you think about a lot of the Christian doctrine dogma lore, I don't know angels are interdimensional beings or can be, and there's your guardian angel there's. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. they say, angels can appear, right? So that's interdimensional. Are by communicating, you know, by with prayer. I mean, that's a communication at a totally extra dimensional level. Although I heard Bishop Barron, that he did that Catholicism series when he was just father Barron. He pointed out, he's like, they're saying that they can like put a chip in your brain and read it from far away or beam stuff up to a satellite. It's like, so why, so that, you know, if you can conceive of that, why can't you conceive of prayer being a way to transmit communication? I thought that was interesting. You know, I'm kind of intellectual when it comes to that stuff. It's hard for me to just like throw myself into faith, but it should stand up to intellectual scrutiny anyway. You know, that should be enough, but anyway. Yeah,
0: so the article goes on to say that In recent years, scientists have become interested in testing the theory. In 2012, inspired by Professor Bostrom's work, physicists at the University of Washington proposed an empirical experiment of the simulation hypothesis. The details are complex, but the basic idea is simple. Some of today's computer simulations of our cosmos produce distinctive anomalies. For example... There are telltale glitches in the behavior of simulated cosmic rays. By taking a closer look at the cosmic rays in our universe, the physicists suggested we might detect comparable anomalies, providing evidence that we live in a simulation. Similar experiments were proposed in 2017 and 2018. Professor Smut captured the promise of these proposals when he declared, You are a simulation and physics can prove it. So far, none of these experiments has been conducted, and I hope they never will be. Indeed, I am writing to warn that (laughs) conducting these experiments could be a catastrophically (laughs) bad idea, one that could cause the annihilation of our universe. Think of it this way. If a researcher wants to test the efficacy of a new drug, it is vitally important that the patients not know whether they're receiving the drug or a placebo. If the patients manage to learn who is receiving what, the trial is pointless and has to be canceled. An interesting theory.
1: Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh.
0: Yeah. If we figure it out, wow. then they'll turn us off.
1: Ah, but we would never, no, no. I, but we would never accept it.
0: It goes on to say, yeah, it might be true. If our universe has been created by an advanced civilization for research purposes, then it is reasonable to assume that it is crucial to the researchers that we don't find out that we're in a simulation. If we were to prove that we live inside a simulation, this could cause our creators to terminate the simulation to destroy our world.
1: Dude, I think he got that from a Rick and Morty episode. Possibly. Do you watch Rick and Morty?
0: Not very often.
1: I've seen them all like two or three times already. I love them, but – and I can think it's science fiction, and my husband's like it's cartoons. Like as I said, oh my sister loves science fiction. I'm going to recommend. He's like, no, you can't. No. <laughs> She's not going to get it. Yeah. But they there's one where the battery on Rick's spaceship is made of is run by a little colony of like an a whole planet worth of people, basically creatures he created that uh that were are basically slaves. That generate electricity, and the, one of them evolves into, like, a little Rick character down there, and he figures it out, and, but he keeps them slaves, ultimately, because if they stop generating the electricity, Rick will just throw the battery away.
0: Yeah, yeah. So
1: the guy's like, I figured it out. Like, they're going to be slaves forever. And uh anyway, <laughs> not cool. Not cool. But it sounds like this guy was. Maybe
0: he got it from Rick and Morty. It does sound I mean, like he's been one might
1: speculate that Rick and Morty got it from him. But yeah. I, I'm not sure about that anymore. Like, you know, I, I just don't have a lot of faith.
0: He goes on to science. say. Of course, the proposed experiments may not detect anything that suggests we live in a computer simulation. In that case, the results will prove nothing. This is my point. The results (laughs) of the proposed experiments will be interesting only when they are dangerous. While while there would be considerable value in learning that we live in a computer simulation, the cost involved incurring the risk of terminating our universe would be many times greater.
1: Think of the genius of coming up with a theory that includes – the impossibility or the dangerousness of ever trying to prove the theory.
0: Yeah. I yeah, mean,
1: right. I feel like there have to be implications to this new logical system where, I mean, I, somehow they're going to apply that to anti-conspiracy theory. I mean, it actually does remind me of stuff in Cass Sunstein's thing. It's like the more you argue against a conspiracy theory, the more they're going to think that you're part of the conspiracy theory.
0: Well, the suggestion here is to not pursue this. Yeah. And I wonder if there's going to be more articles – because I was surprised to see an article about simulation theory in the New York Times.
1: Yeah. I mean now that you're talking about it, I, I and especially that it's in the New York Times. Is it? Was it in the Sunday – the Science Times on Tuesday?
0: Maybe. Yeah. yeah. But I
1: mean regardless, it, it probably wouldn't be there if it didn't have a reason.
0: He wraps up the article. As saying, consider the following hypothetical proposal for an experiment at the Large Hardened Collider, the world's lar- largest particle accelerator. This experiment is unlikely to succeed in producing an interesting result. But if it does succeed in producing an interesting result, it may cause the annihilation of our universe. <laughs> Would conducting this experiment be justified? Of course not. As far as I'm aware, no physicist proposing simulation experiments has considered the potential hazards of this work. This is surprising, not least because Professor Bostrom himself explicitly identified simulation shutdown as a possible cause of the extinction of all human life.
1: All right. (laughs) Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Whatever they're doing would probably reveal something so profound about the nature of reality, yeah, that it would change the hierarchy.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. And if that's absolutely. what, so then
1: he doesn't want. He's saying that you don't want to pursue that knowledge.
0: That's a great point. Yeah, if you realize the people in power don't really hold the power,
1: or whatever, whatever things. it is. Yeah. I mean, what if? What if energy, which is emerging in the kind of alt-science world as the the critical factor, what if energy or electromagnetism or whatever, what if Tesla's secrets are on the other end of that? You know? yeah, It's free you energy. Like you don't know. I mean for him to say like he could destroy – it's the omega-13.
0: I've been blowing people away with the fact that – I know people who listen to our show know this, that Trump's uncle got Tesla's papers, and then he – ended up using it to develop weapons technology you with have the British to send me during that World I don't, War II.
1: I didn't see that.
0: Yeah, I show people the, the article, the archive articles that has this picture and there's but one article I've that actually that. credits but him with curing cancer using Tesla's machine.
1: But the application of the super weapon thing you're saying
0: I don't know if it's I s I don't know if it's because a super applying
1: Tesla stuff that I. I've heard mixed answers about like The free energy stuff in Russia, either it started blowing stuff up or whatever. I don't know. So I'm really interested in what the application of some of the Tesla stuff that he didn't get to apply.
0: Oh, yeah. What the implications
1: are. So if you send me the links, I'll stop saying, really? What? Really? Yeah, I'll send it to you. (laughs) Which I say every time you say that. I'm like, what?
0: Well, and the article wraps up with him saying, if they do these experiments, the results will be extremely uninteresting or spectacularly dangerous. Is it worth the risk?
1: Nice, nice little I say, don't go let's there. Go for
0: it. Let's plunge in. <laughs> yeah. F it.
1: That's like the red and stint be like if you press this button, what will happen? Yeah. Maybe something good.
0: Yeah, yeah. Maybe something bad. But you're gonna push the button.
1: Well, they're gonna push the button. Galaxy Galaxy Quest, the Omega thirteen. <laughs> did you did you see Galaxy Quest?
0: Uh, you've told me about it. That's oh, it's
1: so good. Well, or whatever. I loved it. But um the Omega Thirteen. is worth watching. It's a great I think it's a great movie. Yeah. So anyway, the Omega-13.
0: So I thought that was an interesting article. I like thinking about simulation theory. I think it's interesting. And I recently watched The Matrix again. I didn't really pay much attention to it when I was a kid, Uh, so I watched it again the other day, and I've been thinking about Matrix theory a lot, especially with the way they're trying to get us all hooked into the grid with 5G. I mean 5G is like a matrix within a matrix that is if we are in a matrix, (sighs)
1: the matrix see the stuff yeah the stuff that's out there minority report the matrix i mean that stuff is not created for it's they're not daring to you know they're not doing that for us they're not it's not just some creative endeavor in my opinion it's predictive programming it's stuff that gets you used to new ideas and i think if you look at the older stuff you can prove it but the newer stuff They, you know, they don't, but it's just whatever. It's a, it's, it's no coincidence that that stuff has applications in the, in the near future.
0: So before going into eight ways to stay ahead of influence operations, I have some somewhat breaking news that I feel like we should comment on. (laughs) Okay. Stacey Abrams is not running for president. Instead, we'll focus on voter protection, but says she is more than open to being somebody's running mate. So I have Hmm. to say that I will 100 percent believe she's not running when she becomes someone's running mate. Right. And And even
1: then, if I were the running mate, I would definitely get a Kevlar vest and helmet. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't I I just wouldn't I'm not believing it until Trump swears in for a second term. But but Trump, I do. I, I can't help but think that. The Democrats controlling Congress and the Senate with no filibuster or whatever and Trump just signing every single thing that comes across his desk is what they're really after in the next presidential cycle. So I don't I, – I have a hard time reconciling my belief that she is the chosen one and that she is going to run with my gut that they need – that that this Trump thing is just going too well.
0: Yeah, well, they left it open for her running next time.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the only thing I'm thinking is that if she, she, I don't think they're going to waste her on a losing, you know, Hillary, yeah, you can waste. She's old. She wasn't really, you know, she's, she was never much of an elected official in the first place. So they could expend her as a throwaway candidate. I don't get that feeling with Stacey, and I do not feel like you get to lose and run again anymore in this day and age. I think in the old days you could, but. Yeah. So that is the only thing that I think – and and her being a running mate makes sense because it would give her all that exposure.
0: So who who's – my prediction – it's either, in my opinion, it would have to be Joe Biden or Pete Buttigieg. Those are the two dudes that really have a chance. Well – I don't think she can be Kamala's running mate. Kamala. Kamala – I just don't see how Kamala can – actually run with this Knights Templar thing out there, and it's actually gotten a little bit more exposure. It just oh, seems has, ridiculous has for it? her to actually run, yeah.
1: Well, here's the thing that just doesn't... the thi- I think a narrative that might make sense would be have... I mean, Joe Biden's just hamming it up. He said that he was vice president during Parkland, when Parkland happened, and the kids came to the White House. Yeah. Did you hear that? She said, what now? <laughs> Joe Biden... Said he remembers after the Parkland shooting when he was vice president and those kids came up oh, to Oh, yeah. Did yeah, you hear that? I
0: did hear that. Yeah. <laughs> I
1: mean, wait, it's just preposterous. He's ridiculous. It's dumb. So it's so ridiculous. It's hard to believe he would actually be able to win the nomination. But the way I guess I could see a narrative unfolding is Stacey Abrams is in the wings by, uh, of this guy who's this incompetent, Dinosaur has been who lost spectacularly and everybody knew that if they just flipped the ticket, it would have worked and blah, blah, blah. But he had seniority and she didn't and blah, blah, blah. And then that would tee her up to beat Trump in the end. you know, they give you such power like Hillary. Hillary should run again
0: because we need to exonerate her, you know, that kind of thing. (laughs) because <laughs> they need to exonerate her you know exonerate her
1: from or vindicate her vindicate her yeah
0: like, oh because she won the last because time. she
1: really did win and then if it Stacey Abrams like robbed again robbed again of her birthright as the uh whatever grassroots candidate or I don't know what so I mean there look I am no uh, seer when it comes to what the actual step by step PSYOP, they come up with. They're definitely always ahead of me on that stuff. I'm usually pretty good on where where they're going and why, but the actual machinations – I mean it is hard for me to believe that they're going to waste this Trump thing on just one term. But it's hard for me to believe they're going to waste Stacey Abrams on a has-been. Right, and 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 that was
0: something that – that was the hang-up I had on it too is I think they want Trump to win, but I don't think they – I don't think that they want Abrams to be a two-time loser, although her losing the election for governor has done nothing but help her. Yes. It's done nothing but raise yes, her promise. imaginary
1: governor. It,
0: yeah, and people <laughs> at her at – her, um, she was doing a speech the other day, and she yes. was like, I am not technically – Governor, <laughs> And somebody in the crowd goes, yes, you are. Yes. You. I mean she has her people mind controlled. And oh the way God. she's meeting with these candidates and the way she's talking about they, what they need to do and what they need to talk about, It's at least the way she's presenting herself. She's presenting herself as though she's the one dictating she's what the they're going to do. As though she's, she's choosing boss. who she's going to run she's with. playing
1: right. that role the way Trump played it in The Apprentice.
0: Yes, she kind of is. Yeah. So – We'll see what happens on that. I have no problem admitting that I was wrong if she does not run, and maybe well, she.
1: Yeah, I mean, go ahead, but like I, I. I'm not admitting it yet. Also, but I, but the point is, the more important point is that it is clear. I think that the 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 takeaway the the tactics aren't really important to me. What is important is that people understand that we. We knew from the beginning that she was going to have legs, that, that her person would have legs unlike the other Stacey who ran against her, his last name, I can't even remember. Evans. Yeah. Because she was created in this way. When you look at her resume, you can see who she is. Same thing with AOC. Like we can, we latch onto these people early because we could see that they were not your ordinary run of the mill also rans.
0: Yeah, and, and she's how become a darling. Being,
1: how they're being used, I, that I don't know, but, I mean. Her can, agenda is
0: getting pushed out by a lot of politicians. And- the
1: voting thing, I, it, it just, I mean, every time it's brought up, I just, I can't handle that. Kemp was guilty of voter uh, irregularities of, a, of, a, of an illegal nature before she ran against him. Yep. I mean it's it's a travesty. It's, it just shows the same thing as the flag thing. She doesn't actually care no. about voting integrity or the people or the people of Georgia or the elections or anything.
0: It's a calculated move to raise her political star, and it's worked very well. She's been all over the place. J.J. sent me – he sent me an article about this in uh, on Twitter and a video of her just spouting the talking points about – How Republicans in Georgia are trying – are going to send police to precincts to intimidate black voters, just hitting the identity politics hard. She uses – is a very calculated effort when she chooses these polarizing issues that she uses to gain power for herself. And whatever she's doing, she's going to be in a position of increased power, and she will continue to pursue more
1: Uh, in my opinion. I think that is – pretty clearly the case plus she's young which always goes to that my feeling that they tap them very young and that article that we read yesterday in the drive time prop about the nsa recruiting teenagers for as lifelong employees paying them full-time salaries while they're in college i mean that would explain anderson cooper Being, you know, he had the only job he ever had was in the CIA. Okay, so during college.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you nailed that. You've been all over that for a long time.
1: I know. Well, it just seemed self-evident to me. And then all those people who, who fit the bill, I mean, and then you can start thinking of people like Jim Comey. Jeez. They found him. Yeah, I, I don't know, but it seems a coincidence that this guy was the biggest liar in history as a teenager.
0: Yeah, he was yeah.
1: railroading innocent people as a teenager. Him, as a yeah, civilian. he ruined
0: somebody's life by accusing them of being the Ramsey rapist. <laughs> and as the a government teenager.
1: paid millions to that guy, just
0: like Mueller. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, he paid millions to the guy that to oh, ra- to Comey or to the other guy
1: to the guy Comey. Ruined. Falsely identify.
0: Yeah, because he couldn't get a job because everybody saw him as the Ramsey rapist. Probably, after
1: that. I don't know what the why the damages they could have just been punitive, but they got the money, and Mueller did too.
0: All right, changing gears. So there was this article post. last week which blew me away. It was from the Huffington Post, and the image that went with the article was a picture of. The next day's New York Times front page. So that was their story. Their story was based on what oh, a headline wow. was that the New York Times was going to publish the next day. How did
1: they even have that?
0: Because this was an operation they were all working on together. <laughs> That's how they had it. They sent the pictures and said, here it is. We're all colluding.
1: Right. Don't worry. We're definitely not running it. This is just, you know, yeah, the story exactly. is the story. And as they as never per ran usual. it.
0: They did not run it. So the New York Times headline that they featured on the image that the Huffington Post featured says, Trump urges unity versus racism. And the headline for the Huffington Post said, New York Times nightmare headline, Trump urges unity versus racism, exclamation point. And this was a story in almost every major publication. I remember this
1: story. I just got it wrong.
0: And this idea that it was just – the whole idea behind it was that the New York Times is is quoting what Trump said in his, in his speech that he's uniting against racism, and the New York Times is treating that as though he was sincere in saying that and as though he's not a racist. And you know people only read the headlines, and to imply that Trump was serious and not a racist white nationalist is outrageous. <laughs> it's outrageous, so we're going to attack the New York Times, and the New York Times pulled it. They changed the headline and they apologized refusely and they admitted that they were wrong in suggesting in that headline, in, in quoting what Trump said, suggesting that he was serious about not being a racist. I mean, and so that <laughs> what they did after that, what the New York Times did after that, here's, here's another article, a follow up to that one. New York Times top editor. Trump racism headline was a effing mess. <laughs>
1: Read the headline again.
0: New York Times top editor, Trump racism. No, no, no. Read the original headline.
1: headline. The the The, headline that he's calling a mess. This
0: is the headline that the New York Times top editor called a mess. Trump urges unity versus racism. (laughs) Then a few. What
1: assholes.
0: That's outrageous. How could you do that? Yeah.
1: I mean, why would anyone write that? You know what? They're racist.
0: They put, I mean, they put, they spelled out fucking, but they just put a star in it in the headline. Trump racism headline was a effing mess. And then within the article, it goes, In a lengthy town hall meeting on Monday, the paper's top brass addressed a bevy of recent controversies centering around the Times' coverage of Trump, race, and politics. During a hastily arranged meeting lasting well over an hour… Top Times leadership addressed the paper staff about public criticism that the outlet had faced in recent weeks centering around its coverage of Trump race and politics. Among the many topics discussed in the meeting were two recent embarrassments for the paper. Embarrassments, a credulous headline that characterized Trump's post mass shooting televised speech as a sincere call for national unity. But it didn't. It just basically quoted him. Right. Read it one more time. The original headline. Trump urges unity versus racism, and Trump, I think, in the speech called for unity versus racism. (laughs) Right. And I'm going to read this again because this is just a – If
1: they hadn't written urges, if they had written calls for –
0: Yeah, or if they could have said Trump pretends to call for unity versus racism, but we all know he's a racist. Right, disingenuous
1: Trump (laughs) secretly codes backwards speak –
0: yeah, yeah, that would have been a much. They would have gotten. That would have been factual
1: reporting, right there. So
0: to read this again, among the topics discussed were two recent embarrassments: a credulous headline that characterized Trump's post-mass shooting televised speech as a sincere call for national unity. And to a lesser degree, the Twitter behavior of Times deputy Washington editor Jonathan Wiseman. I'm not sure what happened there. But also on the agenda was – the, and this is the point here because this has been a a topic of like every CNN panel discussion for the past two weeks. Also on the agenda was discussion of when to use labels like racist in Times stories. And the paper's, paper's decision several years ago to dispense of the public editor position, that is, the independent in-house critic whose role it is to assess Times journalism on a daily basis. So they got their critic out of there, so they don't need anybody saying, you know, you guys are spreading propaganda.
1: <laughs> well, um, definitely spreading propaganda.
0: Most of the meeting focused on the outrage over the headline last week following multiple mass shootings. Including one in El Paso that authorities have said was seemingly mo- motivated by racial hatred. The headline which proclaimed Trump urges unity against racism faced criticism both outside and within the paper among those who said the publication was papering over the president's history of racist comments and how Trump seemed to focus on other issues including violent video games more than racism and xenophobia. He's sick. He feels terrible, Banquet said, of the person who wrote the offending headline. So the person who wrote it just feels sick and terrible.
1: The Trump presser after that was sh- shockingly in line with what Democrats were calling for him to do. Yeah, like Right before he came out, they said he needs to make a clear line that he stands against racism. And he did. <laughs> That's what he did. It was surprising. Yeah. It was surprisingly conciliatory and
0: sensitive. And that's the thing, though, is it doesn't matter. Of like, I want to ask people who are on the left, what would Trump have to do? I want you to lay out, paint a picture for me of what he would have to do to prove to you that he is not a racist. Resign. I don't think – I think their answer would be there's nothing he can do.
1: Yeah, because it's not possible to not be a racist when you're a racist. He's a
0: white, privileged, (laughs) rich man. He was born racist.
1: He is a white,
0: privileged. I seriously think the answer to that question would be there's nothing that they can do. And when that's the case, then you're no longer having – you're no longer involved in an intelligent discussion when that's the case. All right. And – The top editor reiterated the headline was a mistake. It was a fucking mess, he told the staff, but joined other newsroom leaders in cautioning the staff not to overreact to Twitter comments about the paper's editorial decisions. Banquet said the paper shouldn't allow itself to be edited by Twitter outrage, even though it was. And they used to have
1: an editor that was basically editor to prevent Twitter outrage, and now they don't. Yeah. Obviously, they.
0: Last week's headline reignited an ongoing media discussion, both inside and outside the paper, about how to properly cover Trump's racist statements. And I've been seeing <laughs> there was this.
1: nothing racist about yeah. that.
0: Yeah, that racist statement press where he called for unity against racism. Really what a racist statement! It was
1: unequivocal. It was it was uniquely unequivocal for his statements.
0: So I've seen this, especially on Don Lemon, seen it tonight, all like all week where. And on Brian Stelter of Reliable Sources, Most Unreliable Source in Media, where the whole premise is, let's be clear. The fact is that Trump's statements are racist, and this is a fact. This isn't open for debate. This is not like an opinion. They even say that. I heard them say that on CNN. (laughs) This is a proven fact that Trump's statements are racist and that Trump is a racist. And then the next question is… Are you a racist <laughs> if you vote for Trump? And people oh are like, God. I I don't know how you can not be. Let me
1: ask you a question. Did you hear Rush today? No. He said the weirdest thing about Don Lemon in this like weird thing where he sexually harassed a bartender.
0: I would heard something about that story a while ago.
1: Rush just said over and over again, Don Lemon paid lip service. You know what I mean? Paid lip service, lip service. And I'm thinking, what is he talking about? I didn't get it. Anyway, I don't know if there's a way to go back to Rush, but I'd be curious to know if you could Oh, he didn't
0: elaborate thing. on what the incident was?
1: He he elaborated on the incident, but he kept making this, like, reference to lip service. And I couldn't figure out what on earth he was trying to get across. I think he was
0: making some sort of innuendo.
1: I guess so. But anyway, the point was, I guess, or the story was Don Lemon said to the bartender, uh, he, Don Lemon put it, this is the accusation, that Don Lemon put his own hand down his own pants and yeah. said to the guy, uh, Rush said, I'm not going to say the words. Do you want P or do you want D? And he said what he meant was, do you like vagina or do you like penis? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Okay, Rush, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for that. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I had to wash my ears out after he, he, that he, episode. He
0: just clearing everything up for everybody listening.
1: Yeah, I just – I hate it when, like, the mainstream guys – like, when Erickson said that stuff about Megyn Kelly and everything, I was just like, dude, I'm with my kids and you're saying weird, gross stuff. And I it's just bumming me out. yeah. Anyway, all right, what's the 20 the – next, the next article?
0: This next one is – this is actually a book that this article is about. Leading civil rights lawyer shows 20 ways Trump is copying Hitler's early rhetoric and policies. The author is one of America's top civil liberties lawyer, and he questions whether the federal government can contain Trump and the, as, and the GOP power grabs. The author's name is Bert Newborn. So this fits in that theme that we talked about recently – of the the hitlerization the continued hitlerization of trump this and you think they're painting him to be a hitler-like figure for all history
1: yes i i remember the day i remember where i was i was pulling out of my driveway and it was maybe the first time that trump was on alex jones during his campaign which was shocking to me that he went on the alex jones show And I remember he said something about trains running on time or something. There was something that he said, and I said, oh, my gosh. He, you know, Nazis said that. Like, what the heck? And I I was like, oh, my gosh, you know. And then he's right from that moment on, he started being painted as a Nazi. He was not painted as a Nazi or fascist or anything like that before. And then I mean my saying it now sounds like oh well obviously that's where it is. so so then you see all this fascism you see all this left right uh, all this yeah extreme polarization left right stuff and and he's painted as Hitler and it feels like it's just in the moment politics but I'm beginning to think that the image of Hitler is just getting too time worn and they and the system whoever needs the villain needs the the villain from the right I guess is creating Trump as a villain for the ages, as, like, literally the new or or uh, metaphorically as close to literally as the new Hitler. Yeah. And that he will go down that way in imagery and everything. And the parallels, as I started to think about that, are even greater than I had originally thought, which is I remember when I read a book called Conjuring Hitler. That was a good one by Guido Preparata, who also wrote... Uh, the ideology of tyranny, which was harder to get through. But the Conjuring Hitler thing, when they went into – they tried to figure out who the, – the powers that be who wanted to undermine Germany from a cultural point of view but keep, like, the industry and the money and stuff intact at the top, which is what happened. Yeah. They they looked for somebody who could uh, – what the, the memetics slide slideshow I talk about all the time – uh, says to do it who would dis di- enhance the dysfunctional subculture would bring out the worst parts of the culture, would really undermine the culture of Germany, <laughs> so they found this guy, Hitler, like a lot of people were on every street corner, you know that's how they were in pubs and brew halls and stuff, making their positions or socialism communism, whatever. This guy was identified as someone who had the charisma. And had the ideology and all that to do what they needed to do, but who could also be counted on to work with the powers that be to structure how things were preserved or rearranged at the top. And I feel like the way you look at Trump's training in The Apprentice and his background— as having been a deep state character who but who has that pt barnum feeling who has that charisma who else could dominate twenty-four-seven news cycle year in and year out i mean the, the the magnitude of a person's personality in this age to be able to do that is really it's hard to come by and i feel like he has those those um Characteristics and this cult of personality that he has where we can he can bring in gun control he can he can uh allow the debt to exceed GDP for the first time in history or in peacetime that he can do these things and people who would have absolutely rioted for Obama's impeachment are defending him instead i mean the this is a cult of personality, and I feel like that it is, is a cult of personality there are a lot for of similarities sure. with how the image and person of Hitler was used, regardless of being a bad guy and doing bad. Like which I don't think Trump actually is. I think he's playing this role. Hitler seemed like a true believer to me, but, uh, but but that is actually when they model. So it's like the indivisible modeling after the Tea Party. They are modeling the characteristics of the Tea Party without actually being the grassroots. Yeah. or the thing that that emerged so they're observing something that works and they're taking the elements of that and they're using it for their own purposes but that doesn't make it authentic it just makes it it but it does make it as a you know using the same tactics
0: well this article the the reasons that are listed are ridiculous none of this stuff is specific to hitler or specific to trump it applies to every yeah. single politician i've Ever studied in my life? The old
1: joke where, like, you read ten things that, like, who said these quotes? Like Churchill, FDR, you know? It's Hitler. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So yeah, right. So they make it out like this, just like they make it out like Germany in World War One was the only one doing propaganda. But in in reality, in World War One, they were the worst at it. The British were the best at it, which is why we didn't recognize it and why we were bamboozled by them. So here are twenty common themes, rhetorical tactics, and dangerous policies. Twenty serious points of comparison between. The early Hitler and Trump. Number one, neither was elected by a majority. Trump received 25% of the votes. That's a little less than the percentage of Germ- the German electorate that turned to the Nazi party in 1932 Hold and on thirty three. Right. So there's number well, one. Well,
1: Hitler and Clinton both won by 44% of the vote. I remember that. I just remember that sticking out in my mind. Like, I think Clinton was the first— it was just significant that he was the first one to not get a majority.
0: Yeah, so there we go. Of
1: even, th- I, I don't even know if he got a majority of the electoral college. We, yeah, votes. we already
0: have Clinton, so Clinton also falls into that category. Clinton and Trump, out mm-hmm. uh, number two, both found direct communication channel channels to their base. Now I'll stop right there and say every politician of who course. has ever existed has found a direct communication channel to their base. Yet they act like. So they act like only Trump and Hitler did this. This is what they say about that. Nazi narratives dominated German cultural and political life. How on earth did Hitler pull it off? What satanic magic did Trump find in Hitler's speeches? What does that even mean? The Nazi party gave out radios with one channel tuned to Hitler's voice, bypassing Germany's news media. Trump has the online equivalent in Twitter. We'll go ahead and stop it there. Obama gave out Obama phones. Lenin taught everybody to be literate and gave them all newspapers because you can't propagandize people if they can't read and if they don't get newspapers. Again, this is not unique to Trump or Hitler. It goes on to say Trump's Twitter account, like Hitler's radio, enables a charismatic leader to establish and maintain a personal unified line of communication with an adoring political base of about 30 to 40 percent of the population many of whom are all too willing, even anxious to swallow Trump's witch's brew of falsehoods, half-truths, and threats, and bigotry, and racism. It goes on and on with that stuff. Number three, both blame others and divide on racial lines. What politician that's ever existed has not blamed others and divided Mm -hmm. on racial lines? Mm -hmm. I don't think that there's any. Number four, both relentlessly demonize opponents. Oh, that's new. Hitler invented (laughs) demonization. I had no idea.
1: That's ridiculous.
0: Number five, they unceasingly attack objective truth. Both Trump and Hitler maintain a relentless assault on the very idea of objective truth. Number six. A lot
1: of this stuff is in my propaganda piece that I got that I was going to read today. Oh, really? All this stuff is in it. Yeah.
0: That's interesting. They relentlessly attack the mainstream media. That's not new. That was... Go back to the Revolutionary War. The founders were some of the best oh, propagandists like that existed. Thomas
1: Jefferson who said you're better uh, – a man is more educated reading nothing at all than nothing but newspapers.
0: The thing about this article is people are going to read the headline about the 20 ways Trump is copying Hitler, and that's what's going to stick. And they're not going to go But only through. because they already believe that. Right. Yeah, it does ser- service what they already believe. Number seven, the attacks on truth include science. Number eight, the lies blur reality and supporters spread them. Uh, that's, that's absurd. That's every politician in the world. Number nine, both orchestrated mass rallies to show status. That's what communism is based on organizing mass rallies. They called it a combat party and their main objective, the way that they built their party was to organize mass rallies. This, is, but yet yeah, this is just Trump and Hitler who do this according to this book and this article. Number 10, they embrace extreme nationalism. Number 11, both made closing borders a centerpiece. Number 12, they embraced mass detention and deportations. Oh, so did Obama. Number mm-hmm. 13, both used borders to protect selected industries.
1: Everybody – that's the earmark of national
0: – That's like Some people think this is the only reason to have a nation right, for yeah.
1: centuries.
0: Number 14, they submitted their rule by enriching elites. Oh, that's brand new, isn't it? That was just Hitler and Trump that did that. <laughs> Number 15, both rejected international norms. That
1: is the most generic.
0: Right. <laughs> Number 16, they attack domestic democratic processes. Number 17, both attack the judiciary and the rule of law. Mm. Mm-hmm. Number 18, both glorify the military and demand loyalty oaths.
1: <laughs> well. The the military glorification. I mean, obviously, everybody does that, but like that is very disappointing about
0: yeah yeah
1: Trump just because you know, it's not even the it's the generals and stuff. It's the people on top. He makes them politicians. His very first act as president was to uh, eliminate or defer or whatever it was the the restriction that somebody within seven years of active military could be the secretary of defense. Yeah, you want to keep the civilian in charge of the military, and he, he took that away. <laughs> yeah. So I don't like that. But anyway, keep going.
0: So the loyalty oath that they cite, and you know, as Trump's example of a loyalty oath is James Comey. You know, James Comey said Trump made him take a loyalty oath. I know exactly. It's hearsay. <laughs> Number nineteen. They both proclaim unchecked power. Like Hitler, Trump has intensified a disturbing trend that predated his administration of governing unilaterally, largely through executive orders or proclamation. He's, so
1: when, like, he declared himself emperor, I, I guess, remember yeah, that. I guess that I guess he weird. did that. I didn't hear that story. That's <laughs> kind of messed up. Number, or like when he they said there's no more term limits and his term was thirty years instead of exactly, years. yeah. Or right, and you know,
0: when like, Obama, no. you know, made a, a, executive orders, that was not like Hitler. That was different. Uh-huh. That was. That was humanitarian executive orders. Number 20, both relegate women to subordinate roles.
1: Yeah, unlike Bill Clinton who exalted women to –
0: To the top of the (laughs) Oval Office desk, and then his wife respectfully called them Looney Tunes or whatever it is that she called them. None of those are specific to Trump and Hitler. All of them apply to almost every politician, yet this article in this book is – Propagating this whole Trump is Hitler, Hitler is Trump. That's theme. so
1: interesting. That's a whole book mm-hmm. because it's a throwaway from an article point of view.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's nuts.
1: I feel like there, there's – I have so much stuff here. I, I was reading this – maybe I'll just pick one thing that's interesting out of this stuff. So I've been reading the this FBI document that was sent to my attention – By a lot of different people uh, from May about conspiracy theories being uh, – conspiracy theories based on race, fringe political movements, or identity are – here it says anti-government, identity-based, and fringe political conspiracy theories very likely motivate some domestic extremists to commit criminal, sometimes violent activity. So they're categorizing them as domestic terrorists. And then in the Wall Street Journal this weekend, they said, you know, all the civil liberties we told you that we were suspending when it came to foreign actors, Guantanamo, the FISA court, um, metadata collection, wiretapping, all that stuff that we said, don't worry. We're only using them against other people, non-American citizens, even though sometimes when those people came to this country, they are covered by the 14th Amendment. They and, and so many conservatives will say that these are God given rights, not government given rights. So, when you challenge them, why aren't you extending these rights to other human beings? They have no answer for it. But we were told, don't worry, it's not a slippery slope, it is not a violation of the Constitution. Now, that lengthy Wall Street Journal piece over the weekend, written by an intelligence guy or an LEO, law enforcement, FBI, like, or all of the above, you like work for the state department, this guy's like up there. And it just says, like, we have to treat domestic terrorism like foreign terrorism and suspend all these civil liberties, engage in mass surveillance, censorship, manipulation, all that stuff. So because these people do not rise to the level of having civil liberties because they're, quote, terrorists. but. If you think about when they were telling us about the terrorism and why we needed all this stuff and why we were going to invade foreign countries and bring the FBI to Afghanistan, which Putin reprimanded us for, and Mueller is the one who did it after 9-11 as the head of the FBI, internationalized our law, they said the reason was those countries are so dysfunctional they can't control their own criminals. Now, of course, Ron Paul was widely mocked by saying, yes, they're – pirates. They're privateers. He didn't say that, but he said, we have ways of dealing with international criminals. It's called Letters of Mark and Reprisal. That's how we should have gotten Obama, uh, Osama bin Laden. There's no reason to um, have a, an endless war, a borderless war. So, So our argument for having this kind of extra legal approach was always that They, that other countries, other sovereign countries, you could not respect their sovereignty because they weren't holding up their, what characterizes them as sovereigns, what gives them a sovereign right is that they are the law and they're not exercising the law. So there really is no argument here to bring that here except for what Michael Chertoff said as the Homeland Security chief. He said that. We need a new legal architecture because we are not designed to deal with international stuff. He did not yet say domestic stuff, but they're saying our fundamental laws don't work. So Mm -hmm. this is all part and parcel of that. Uh, And it got me interested in the subject of conspiracy theory because they're using that as one of an identity stuff and fringe politics, whatever that is, I guess, anarcho-capitalism, as Mm – you know, and as an anarcho-capitalist, I am by definition not a nationalist because I don't believe in the nation state. Yeah. So I would still cal- characterize be characterized as this. So this is how I got into being inter- rereading this uh, the article by Cass Sunstein and Adrian Vermeule. At Harvard, and Cass was at Chicago Law School. He later or soon after became Obama's information czar. Yeah. But this was like in the early 2000s, <laughs> around 10 years ago, called Conspiracy Theories. And Was that
0: his title, information czar?
1: His, I, well, that's what they called him. I don't yeah. know what his actual title but they that's absolutely funny. called him that. And then this other, I just stumbled upon this strategy research project called PsyOptics. PSYOP Operations, which is a little redundant, PSYOP Operations in the 21st Century by Gary Whitley, or Whiteley. I think it's Whitley. Um, I think he was, it says USAWC, U.S. Army War College, uh, class of 2000. Although I thought this guy was a civilian, but he can't be, I think, if he went to there. But anyway, uh, so there, there's a lot. We really don't have time to go through any of this, but uh, there is a lot of stuff in this document from 2000 that speaks to some of the things that you were talking about some of the things that i have been observing i'll just give you one little snippet and we can just cover this stuff another time
0: yeah we can hit it next week
1: yeah um the this says in this this document from 2000 this says the influence of the group ...on communication is extremely important to PSYOP. PSYOP programs must be designed to communication to communication directly to the individual, not as isolated entity of society, but rather an integral part of an, a, 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 an active social environment. Here's the kicker. It says, this being the case, PSYOP intelligence and information gathering programs should not organize the collection of data as if each member of the target audience is isolated and in a sterile environment... But as a matter of a group, man's attachment to these groups are significant. Yeah. Consequently, the opinions and activities shared with a group influence his response to all communication. In other words, interpersonal relationships must be considered to properly understand the communication process and to conduct effective PSYOP. Interpersonal relationships seem to be anchor points for individual opinions, attitudes, habits, and values. Yes. Uh, it says this concept, the importance of the influence of the group, suggests that when people are interacting in the communication process, they generate and maintain common ideas and behavior patterns that they are reluctant to modify. Also, it is apparent that when communication concerns sensitive roles and standards of the group or group culture, it is usually checked with other members of the group. That, to me, explains what I always thought was like kind of an overly overemphasis on on the group thing, and when Google was established, so I read this article from Quartz.com dot com a while ago. Oh, Google's what? <laughs> what is it?
0: Quartz, yeah, it's it's a pro, it's that yeah. heavy propaganda. On it's Quartz. Quartz,
1: yeah. Google's true origin partly lies in CIA and NSA research grants for mass surveillance, and uh, it says the CIA and NSA's end goal. So they were they got Sergey Brin to start building Google for this reason. It says, the CIA and NSA's end goal. The research arms of the CIA and NSA hoped that the best computer science minds in academia could identify what they called birds of a feather. Just mm. as geese fly together in large V-shapes or flocks of sparrows, make sudden movements together in harmony, they predicted that like-minded groups of humans would move together online. So this, the timing, yeah, wow. which was 1995, this thing I just read to you was from 2000. It says... Um, the intelligence community named their first unclassified briefing briefing for scientists the Birds of a Feather briefing and the Birds of a Feather session on the intelligence community initiative in mass digital data systems took place at the Fairmont Hotel in San Jose in spring of 1995.
0: 95 that's and, interesting. I think that's the might be the same year Bernays died and that what yeah. what you described there is it's about the central premise of Bernays's propaganda strategy. Really? Yeah, but obviously in the twenties, it was harder to get those. He emphasizes those those groups, those birds of the. He doesn't use the term "birds of feather," but he does emphasize that same stuff. And to hear that they had a specific focus on applying it to the digital world, which we kind of we kind of assumed, but to hear an actual document. Is.
1: Yeah, there's tons more. We don't have time for it now. Yeah, but yeah. I'm fascinated by that. Time. We should
0: go through that one next Wednesday, next Thursday, whenever. Yep. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, everybody, who's donated and supported us in a variety of ways. If you want to help out, you can donate via PayPal or become a Patreon. And check us out on Saturday from 3 to 6 this Saturday. Yes. Three to six on Saturday. And check us out every day with your drive time prop. You can find it at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform. We will talk to you next time.
1: Later.